You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Say hello to my little friend. To infinity and beyond. Like tears in rain. On Wednesdays we wear pink. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Here's looking at you, kid. You talking to me? You're gonna need a bigger boat. You'll always have Paris. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Films and Friends. My name's Josh. I am joined as ever by Tobias. Hello, I'm here in the sweltering heat. And in the sweltering heat, uh, but uh, thankfully in different locations, thanks to social distancing, we are joined by Felix. Hello! Hi guys. So Felix, the way we start out the show is always asking people, um, what would you do and uh, how do you know us? Uh, So what do I do? I guess not much at the moment. I graduated, uh, well, I haven't really graduated yet, I guess, but I finished uni uh, as of last month or so. Uh, so now I'm just unemployed, basically. Just enjoying enjoying graduate life, but there's no jobs to be had. And you say, how do I know you guys? Did you get to that question Yeah, exactly. Yet? <laughs> yeah, so I wrote, I wrote for the Mancunian. I was the editor of a feature section in my last year. And I was lucky enough to meet uh, you guys as part of the editor team in that real f- nice friendly office we had. Oh man, I miss the office. I miss, I miss, you know, bumping into you, just having chats about anything and everything. What was going exactly. on in the office? What was going on in the world? Now it's just yeah. not much is going on in the world. <laughs> not a lot, man. Not a lot. Definitely not the office. But thankfully, as the result of uh, none of us being able to really do anything at the moment, it means we have probably had quite a good chance to watch quite a few films. And how we kind of like to start the episodes in season two is for us all to just recommend something we've seen in the last sort of seven days or so. And I think I'll go first. And uh, it's a bit of a left field choice. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting some judgment for this, but I, 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 I'm, I'm going to stick by it. About two days ago, I watched Sex and the City, the movie. Ooh, Ooh. Okay. The obvious question is, have you seen the TV show? I haven't seen the TV show, and I thought that would affect it. But it doesn't really, because they do a really good job of condensing the TV series into like the first five minutes of the film, which is actually quite oh, it's really well oh, done. Real good. And honestly, I thought I would probably not hate it that much, but not really like it. I actually really enjoyed it. And I, I think I, I think on Letterboxd, I think I gave it two and a half stars, because there's some quite problematic bits that I thought... That, but I think... Oh, on a good, on a better day, I think it could have been a solid three, and I think it, even wow. if if nothing else, it's worth watching. It's, it's very similar in sort of tone to sort of bridesmaids, that kind of that kind of humour. And actually, okay. I think I think it off quite well. And I, I would I would genuinely, it's on UK Netflix now. I would genuinely recommend watching it. Okay, I have to have to buy a look. You know, it sounds yeah, like it's just good light fun. You know, nice light heart. Yeah, with a glass of wine. Get, yeah, you know, exactly. let, let the breeze just... roll in, the evening breeze, and just watch some Sex in the City. That, that yeah, mum's gonna alive. have some fun. The only thing I would, <laughs> the only thing I would really uh, caution about is it for some strange reason it does last for two and a half hours, which is obscenely wow. Bad. That okay. is a lot of sex in a lot of city, in a lot of different wow, cities. Okay. <laughs> they do go to Mexico at one point. Oh wow! Okay, it's, do they it's not do? Sex in the cities. Exactly, <laughs> sex in international land. But but here's the question: Do they do the classic poop brown color scheme for Mexico to make it look uh, yeah. just awful? I don't think they do that much because they go to a sort of it's a very coastal place in Mexico. It looks more like Greece, to be honest. It's more like that kind of like what's the <laughs> what's the um ah Cancun. What, what's the um thing called? The thing... Santorini in Greece. No, 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 no. It's the the famous thing in Greece with the blue and the 
kind of white buildings and the blue yeah, thing. Santorini. Oh, Santorini. Yeah, Santorini. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's wow. like Mamma Mia without the singing. Live it up. It, it is, yeah, it's exactly like Mamma Mia without the singing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which one of you would and like to uh, volunteer what you've been watching the past seven days? First? Well, Felix, you, you, uh, you may go first. Okay. Um, I watched... I watched No Country for Old Men, but I feel like a lot of people have seen that, so I won't recommend that. But it's good, you know. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, but I saw a film called Akira, as like Ooh, a eighties Japanese anime about a. It's like a post-apocalyptic uh, scene. I loved it because the very first scene, the first thing you see is it, it's like Neo Tokyo, the year, and then just a bomb drops like instantly. And so the city's just done, and then you're like catapulted into the film. Uh, and it's very, yeah, it's very like supernatural. There's uh, like good anime fights going on, and it's like a biker gang. It's pretty interesting looking to a, a subculture rather than anime is just being like generic high school stuff. It's cool. Yeah, like I'm fantasy, sure... like anime films. Go for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last week, if I in the last episode, ah, because okay. it it's a cyberpunk film, which is. I genre I enjoy as a resident soft boy, but <laughs> but what really is quite striking about Akira is how it predicted the future. I mean, this film mm. was made in the eighties, and it's set in twenty twenty, after the Tokyo Olympics, which were cancelled due to a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just, Sorry, can it's I swear? So... Can I swear on the podcast? You see, the more you swear, the more you have to make Josh work to go through and bleep it all in post. Oh no, okay, I won't make you. <laughs> <laughs> you you can use the Akira soundtrack to bleep that one out. I don't oh, mind doing that as long as you don't do an Aisha who managed to swear about ten times, which took an absolute age to go through and find. Them. <laughs> and even then, I miss some. You're gonna have to like. Maybe have a piece of paper next to you where it's kind of the swear tally, and every time someone swears, you need to write down the time code, and that way you can kind of guess where it is. That would require the one thing I'm not capable of, which is forward planning any kind of uh, creative endeavor. <laughs> well, there you go. That's spontaneous, you know. That's, you just gotta let it, let it run, let it flow. That's <laughs> the only thing. The only thing I can really uh, contribute to Akira discourse is that I've watched so many <laughs> fan edits of slowed down reverbed Frank Ocean songs which are put to scenes from the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's perfect really. A good bit of slowly chopped on the, on the YouTube scene. I love that. Yeah, it's just the motorbike in Akira drifting um as the transition in nights yeah. hits. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I need to watch it. genuinely I need to get on that. <laughs> oh, it's it's the wave, man. <laughs> so what have you been watching, Toby? Well, the weirdest thing I watched, and it, it's weird because of the way I've done it, um, I'm halfway through watching The Five Bloods. As in, I started watching it with my good friend Mossin, and he had to go because he had to cycle home and didn't want to cycle in the dark. So we said, well, the film's two and a half hours long, let's pause it here and we'll get back to it next week. So he's coming back this weekend to finish it, which is one of the most weird things I've done for a film. To see, I don't see you've gone down the um the oh, what's it called uh the, the Irishman route when there was that thing that went viral on Twitter of how you could turn like the Irishman into a four part mini series instead of a um oh. three hour film. 
Well, here's my conspiracy. Um, the pandemic was made by the producers of The Irishman to get people to watch it because they had more spare time. <laughs> Guess what? Still haven't watched it. I still haven't seen either, to be fair. Nah, <laughs> too much commitment. Nothing can really need three hours of my time like that. It's not that important. To be fair, haven't you t- listened to you say that, actually? I've, I've done a very similar thing between like last night and today watching, excited to finish it. I, you know, obviously, uh, Joel Schumacher passed away like, a couple of days ago. Yes. I never realised he was the person who directed uh, Falling Down. Yeah, he, he did direct that, yeah. And as a... Wait, did you say, did you say Michael Schumacher died? No, uh, Joel Schumacher, the director. Ah, okay, cool. <laughs> but... I, I didn't hear the first name. I was like, what have I missed with big piece of news? <laughs> that heart-stopping moment. But uh, yeah, wow. yeah, I, I started watching it last night and I had to turn it off because it was too, far too late and I couldn't really pay any attention. But I, as a... As a a committed Michael Douglas fan and given the fact that Joel Schumacher passed away I thought probably a good time to have a look at that film and I was I was actually quite enjoying it I think it's quite a good sort of depiction of sort of midlife crisis kind of breakdown thing in a less weird way than American Beauty which has aged terribly see in falling down a well conversation about falling down I've seen that a lot of people say it's awful and some people say it's a masterpiece so I just know that it's a polarizing film, but I haven't actually seen it myself. No, it's, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, I've only, I'm only an hour into the two hours, so I will um, unless it takes it. But unless it takes unless it takes a massive veer into being genuinely awful, I think I think it should be all right. And on the subject of uh, films that are all right or perhaps even great, Felix, uh, the first question uh, on the form is uh, some sort of actors, writers, sort of genres, directors you kind of like, and I just wonder what your sort of what what you what your inclusions on that list would be? Um, so I'm. It was a classic moment of it freeze of someone asks you what your favorite anything is, and your brain freezes up. So I had to try go through my phone or my Netflix, but eventually I came to some. Uh, my favorite film is Princess Mononoke, um, which era talking about that. That's like a, I really like old those old anime films like Studio Ghibli and films of that. Of that ilk, so I could have put a couple Studio Ghibli films down, but I think one of Noke is the best one in my opinion. Um, what else uh, did I write down? I saw a Hero by uh, the Jet Li film uh, recently, which is incredible. It kind of tells a similar story three times, or three different perceptions of a story, and. The, the entire colour scheme changes every time. So the outfits they're wearing, the backgrounds are all really monochrome, like blue, white, and red. So you see these events over and over in, in a different colour, and it's an amazing film. Um, that sounds pretty cool, actually. Another film... Yeah, I'd, if you haven't seen it, and you like any sort of action, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. Um, I'd be learning uh, a bit about yeah, these kung fu like, films. And is it more kind of realistic depictions of kung fu or, and martial arts, or is it kind of wire work, where it's all floaty and almost dreamy? Yeah, 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 wire work. Yeah, I Very didn't cool. when I was watching the film. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I thought it was just a normal. It was going to be like you say, a more realistic depiction of kung fu. But when someone starts flying and stuff like that, it's <laughs> it's crazy, man. Immediately, people just like jumping at each other and like very intensely, just like. Um, what's it like jousting at each other with swords? It's great. And um, the film you have on here, then... which you mention, oh, yeah. is um, uh, the usual suspects. Oh, of course. Why is that so that's, close yeah, to your that's heart? Another one of my... Um, I think it's one of those where the first, 
you'll remember the first time you see it and it's so much so memorable because it is one of the I guess obviously as spoilers for people who haven't seen this, but I feel like if you're watching a film podcast, you've you've seen. Well, we can tease them. We can tease them. We don't need to spoil. I think the way to say it is, it's one of those films where you shouldn't look up the plot. But all we'll say, it's essentially gangsters have been caught by the police, and they've laid a really really complex trail behind them, and these police are trying to uh, unravel it and find out who committed the crime. And that's about as much as I'd say, really. Yeah, no, that, that definitely sets it up. And the characters are just very, very interesting. Like, the one of the first scenes where they're all in the, the prison cell, um, they've all been all been arrested, and they're just... It's just such an interesting insight and portrayal of all these specific characters and their weird mannerisms and the way they interact. So it just immediately gets you off to loving all of the characters. I think it's one of those films that's sort of... I think one of the things that's kind of underrated about it is just how heavily the film relies on uh, scripting. It's very similar to kind of like uh, kind of Quentin Tarantino films, where, like, mm. especially stuff like Reservoir Dogs, where not a lot really happens sort of mass hugely. It's more about some of the dialogue between characters and sort of the characterization. And I think that's the sort of thing I enjoy the most about um, Usual Suspects. And also, if you, I admittedly, like, I did know, kind of know the twist going into it. But even if you actually know the main twist, there are still bits along the way where you still kind of, it still is quite a kind of puzzle box kind of film. So even if you know a few of the bits, it does kind of fit together and you still are left wondering at times exactly what is going on. So it's definitely a film worth checking out. Oh, for sure, yeah. There's, there's no way you can work out what's, gonna, what's ever going to happen next <laughs> in that film, really. It's beautiful. The Untouchables is also on this list. And I'm trying to figure out, because some people get them mixed up, are you talking about the French film, Antouchable, or The Untouchables, the gangster flick? Uh, yeah, the French one. Which the French I'm film. Pretty sure, I feel like it has the say, it's called that in English. Or it's, is it? It's, the, name is in, the name is in English, I'm pretty sure. Because I watched it recently, and on the title, sc- like, the title screen, and it's like not a dub or anything, is it just says The Untouchables in English. Oh, interesting. So it's The Intouchables. Um, yeah, in English, I think so. I-N. Oh, interesting. And you wrote it with U-N because that is the name of the, the film about... Oh, I can't get it stars, but it's the one about uh, how Al Capone was brought down. Ah, uh, okay. I did think that I might be confusing it with a different one. But yes, I did mean the French one about the guy and the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a great that, film. That's fantastic. Have you seen it? I, I'm afraid I haven't. I've just looked it up and I do recognise the poster quite well, but I, I couldn't tell you... Um. Yeah, is it the, it, definitely remade it. Is that the one they've remade? I, I was, they I was remade it with Kevin this. Hart. Yes, and it, Brian was, Cranston. it just looks so offensively awful. It's like I don't know. I don't find Kevin Hart very funny in the first place, but it just looked like such a soulless Hollywood churned out cash in. But yeah, was, the, the feeling I got, though. the feeling I got when I saw that they were remaking it, and then f- f- clips of the remake. It's the same feeling I got when I saw the trailer for the Snowpiercer remake that they've made oh. for Netflix. It was just kind of like a sinking feeling of, why? No, see, just, I... Just read subtitles. I don't want to... Wait, Snow... Snowpiercer's in English, isn't it? Snowpiercer is in English, but weirdly enough, yeah. they've remade it without any um, Korean characters in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, the Netflix one is good. I don't know. I guess we don't want to talk too much about this because it's not a film, you know. But I guess that's that's forbidden. But it's no, it's no, absolutely, I mean, I like it's it. film territory. So you've seen it. Okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, the the series. Yes, with David Diggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, how does like it differ? It. So, okay, the film is just about like a, an uprising on the train and the, the film is very in-your-face class metaphor because obviously it is like people are at the back of a train and the rich people are at the front of the train and they want to get there. So it's quite in-your-face. But the TV series is more like a murder mystery element. Uh, an uprising happens and then there's like a murder mystery so David Diggs the uh, main guy in it he's like a former police detective and they make they enlist him to investigate this murder um, so he gets an insight into life up, up the train oh interesting it essentially tells you the life of the train before the uprising yeah 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 you get a real insight into how the how it's formed, like, um, yeah, the different changes that have gone on. It's, yeah, it's a very, very interesting environment because they can just flesh it out a bit more than I'd like, but someone is going through for a purpose. Now they should have called it Murder on the Snowpiercer instead of just Snowpiercer. <laughs> they should have given it, like, a funny mis- murder mystery name instead of making it look like a remake. See, now I feel like I, mm. I, I just chatted too much rubbish about it before actually looking into it. <laughs> to, to be honest... Well, I've I've not heard I've not heard fantastic things about it, and I think the fact that to be honest, even though have you now explained it properly, I think I I probably will give it give it at least the first episode a shot. But when I first heard it was a murder mystery, I kind of that was the point where I sort of tapped out. I was like, I actually genuinely don't think I want to see that. Yeah, it sounded like something that could be very tacky, and like I said, the film is very on the nose. It's yeah. very in your face with its messaging. Uh, it's still entertaining in spite of that, but yeah, it's just very on the nose. So if a murder mystery was done in a similar tone, it wouldn't have worked. But the way they've created that world and populated it, because it is a very interesting source material. It's a very interesting concept to, to use. Uh, well, that's, that, that, that has given me some more confidence, and I probably will check it out at some point. What I won't check out, though, is when HBO remake Parasite with Mark Ruffalo. I'm not going to watch Oof. that on a point of print. Is that actually happening? Is yeah, that apparently so. Thing? Oh my god. Why would Mark Ruffalo do that? Obviously money, but... Yeah, like, money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a creative sense. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I feel like Mark Ruffalo is a very outspoken... I don't know. He's a very. He seems like a very like political left-wing kind of guy. He's always at protests and shit like that. Oh, sorry. I swore again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like note down the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, it surprised me that he would get behind like remaking a Korean film that a lot of people were very vocally against or they didn't like in America for cultural reasons. I think one of the main reasons why it probably is going to happen is I think Bong Joon-ho is actually signed on to like exec producer. I think he is actually oh, go on. somewhat okay. involved. So I think he's kind of, um. I think the fact that he's involved probably indicates that it probably will be, he is sort of on board with the concept of remaking it. I mean, I think his person, I personally think it's probably completely unnecessary, but at the same time, you kind of respect the yeah. hustle and people will definitely watch it. If I'm, if I'm saying, oh no, Snowpiercer is good, you should give it a try and change your minds, then yeah, I should probably give that a try as well. It'd probably be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd definitely check it out because it's, it, it, it's, I don't know, almost our responsibility is, is film critics slash <laughs> people who talk about film. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give it a go and try and be open to it, because who knows, it, it could maybe it could actually be good. 
One more thing I want to talk about just before we go on to the slightly more uh, negative side of your uh, opinions of films is um, on your list of your favourite actors, the one you put at the top, which I'm not, I'm not sure if this is rank, to be honest, so I don't want to sort of put words into your mouth or anything, but at the top of the list you did write Ryan Gosling, who is, who, uh, admittedly for me, is probably my favourite actor. So, uh, oh, what, bro, I love Ryan Gosling. Um, it wasn't ranked, actually. Okay. Uh, Ryan... Ryan Gosling was the last person I wrote, and I added more on at the end after I wrote it, and then I, for some reason I went back to the start and put him there. So the first person I thought of is Steve Carell, because I think Steve Carell is probably my favourite actor. I mean, but... he is brilliant. Have you seen Space Force? Yeah, I didn't like it, to be honest. You uh, didn't so like I, it? I wanted to like it, but I didn't like it at all. Yeah, same. I couldn't get into it at all. I've watched the first episode and couldn't I think I've gone off uh, American sitcoms a lot more as I've, like got older as i yeah through the years like i really like parks and rec and the office is good but you kind of know what's going to happen in every u.s sitcom it's like the characters just kind of play out against each other rather than there being like an important otherness and i think that gets it can get a bit a bit boring if you watch too much of a show that's fair that's definitely very fair yeah the there's a very specific formula to american humor mm. and I won't open this whole debate up wide and <laughs> and offend anyone, but there is a certain level of crassness and simple jokes that hit hard in in American TV, which is, I think, where Space Force maybe fell flat because it tried to present itself as something a bit more complex and a bit more satirical while having mm. jokes that were just about, oh, look, Steve Carell's dancing in the office. Realistically, a lot of American shows suffer from SNL skit syndrome, uh, which is a, a term I've just coined, and let the, let the record book show that. But I think <laughs> a lot of American shows are like, oh, this would be a funny SNL skit, let's make it into a whole TV show. And it's like something that, it has like one or two jokes in it, and it's like, okay, that's cool for like 10 minutes, but then it's just a bit played out after that. It's not really necessary as like a 10 episode show in a season really, like how far is it going to go? I think the other thing, the thing I sort of noticed the most about uh, sort of the difference between US and um, UK comedy is that I think the problem with these kind of most US comedies is their sort of incessant need to be sort of relentlessly positive towards the end of everything and I think that's one of the yeah. reasons why stuff in this country like like the in-betweeners or like peep show is so popular even the office if you watch if you, when you actually watch back the office and really look for it the office is mind-numbingly depressing it's genuinely the most bleak <laughs> the most bleak sitcom ever made but I think it's, it is so much better than the American one because it, it taps into like the real life of it and I think that's mm. and even like even like I mean I'm admittedly I'm a huge fan of like How I Your Mother like that's my favourite sitcom of all time and I, I never just absolutely what you watch it so much but even then even that is just it it sort of i think that's what really did it in the end was it just kind of tried to force itself into a completely happy ending that satisfied everyone and you didn't actually need that it needed someone it needed that sort of sense of grounded realism and i think that's where sort of i think that's it's the same with i think it's the same with every sitcom especially especially in america because they sort of go on for so long is if by the time you've made nine series of a sitcom you've sort of surpassed you've sort of jumped the shark every which way possible mm. and you, at that point you're just sort of like you, you it's the same the characters have basically become caricatures of themselves and you're just dreaming up increasingly bizarre scenarios to stick them in Oh yeah, entirely. It's 
you definitely see that. It's just like the characters just get thrown thrown into thrown in together, and you could just you could write the episodes just by picking words out of a hat, really. I think that's the thing I noticed the most about watching Community, because obviously that was put on Netflix oh, yeah. right at the start of the uh, lockdown, so I had nothing better to do other than watch it, and I think I got through the entire thing in about a month, and by the end of it, you could literally, it's just like, here are the same five characters. Oh, wow, today they've gone to a farm. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. It's just the characters doing exactly the same thing in a farm, and then next week they're in a supermarket, and they can play paintball for a bit, and it's just... just like, Paintball episodes do slap. Wait, yeah, those are some, they're brilliant. Television. Well, see, the thing with Community, though, is it's kind of a sitcom to end all sitcoms. It's so self-aware, and even though it's very on the nose, especially with Abed's character, but it does it so well that I feel it's just undeniably one of the best sitcoms. I don't really think it does. I think think that... I, I think, ultimately, Community... I think it suffers the same thing that I, one of the reasons why I really can't get into Rick and Morty is because I think it just thinks it's so much more intelligent than it actually is. And it just comes across as just like watching someone. Actually, I can't say that. I, I thought of a good line. Actually, I can't, because I was <laughs> This might get cut out. I might bleep it. It's a bit like watching Dan Harmon <laughs> on camera for 20 minutes a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it is kind of. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It is kind of self. Um, uh, it enjoys itself a little too much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Self-indulgent. Yeah, and that's the. And that's the. That that that. I mean, yeah. We'll find a way. Like Patrick Bateman looking into the mirror. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's yeah, like I think that community. Scene you can. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely write write your own episodes by the time you finish it. It's just not that necessary. Well, it's because I felt that it went on too long. Yeah. One of the best things about the show was definitely um, the dynamic between Troy and Arbid, which is I can't, um, Daniel Pudi and uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. What do you guys think then about a show like Always Sunny, which I feel runs headfirst into that weird characters and just putting them in loads of situations, but does it quite well and well enough to be like the longest running US sitcom? I liked it up until kind of season six, season seven, and then I kind oh, of okay. went off it a bit more. And then I felt I haven't actually bothered watching the most recent season. I watched the one before and didn't really. Actually, no, that's a lie. Actually, I watched about half of it, and I think yeah, I think as time went on, it just gets more. I think it's the same thing. I think the beginning obviously it is it's always been re- completely ridiculous, but I think by the time you're sort of, I think. I don't know what it is about the more recent seasons, but I think it's because they're trying to like maybe shoehorn in issues, and it just comes across as just doesn't kind of like the, the one I sort of sticks in my mind is the one where they sort of the gang solve the bathroom issue, and it's sort of talking about like sort of gender self identification and stuff, and it just doesn't, it just really doesn't, it doesn't kind of it didn't I didn't feel like it worked for me. I don't think it was a funny kind of satire takedown of the kind of issue. It just came across as kind of like that's a current thing so we're going to write something about it and i don't think because i think i think some of the stuff they did in the earlier seasons especially i think some of the some of them are really good and i think it is it does a very good job of sort of towing a line between sort of saying things that are obviously and doing things that are obviously outrageous but it's the fact that the joke isn't that they're doing it it's the joke that they are horrible people for doing it and it sort of comes back around so it's, it's very self-aware yeah, yeah. And i think that really works 
but I think even though I think it is still just as self-aware now, I feel like it is just kind of trying to cram issues in just because they are issues, not because there is a funny point to make about them, but just because it's just a thing that's happening at the moment. Oh yeah, for sure. There's especially yeah, you're right. In the later seasons, they do they try and be relevant, and sometimes it works. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, unlike you say, they do get away with pretty much anything. It's pretty interesting the way they can do pretty much whatever they want, and people won't really call. I, yeah, like you say, they've just they just put it in a in such a delivering it in a clever format. And yeah, but I feel like the episodes that aren't dealing with those still hold up in the later in the later series. Really, it's still. Like they're still funny characters, they're still good actors. It's just like there, there still are loads of different situations you could put them in. Like the, like the, the water park one, and then they'll just get random characters in. Yeah, it's helped wa- by like a good supporting cast as well. I think a lot. Oh yeah, the the water park one definitely. That's definitely one of the highlights of the later seasons. I think that one especially, and also the end of the um the episode that is like the last of the sort of penultimate last season gone where it was like the one with the dance number at the end. I thought that one was actually quite affecting a uh, 20 minutes of uh, comedy. I thought it was actually very good. Ah, oh, the one where Mac does a dance. Uh, Mac finds his pride, I think it's called. Oh my God, that episode was surreal. Yeah, that I remember one was... I was watching that and then my dad came in and sat down and that was like the first episode of Always Sunny you'd ever seen. And he was very, very confused at what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that's a As brilliant I, to be honest. episode. Yeah, no, it really is. Oh, really good. And moving on to stuff we don't like, because we've been back and forth, you have a couple things here, and I just I just want to get one out of the way, and it's it's cats. What? Ugh, okay. I know it's something special. It's it, you can't hate it. Apparently, I do need to yeah. watch it. You do. But yeah. elaborate, please elaborate. Okay, so I went to see Cats at the cinema when it came out with my girlfriend. Uh, she likes cats, not the film. She likes cats for animal. Um, and we were just interested. We heard it was so bad, but there's so many people attached to it. There's James Corden, uh, uh, Jason Derulo, but then like Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. So I think it was just an important thing to witness as from a cultural perspective. I just needed to know <laughs> how and why. I had too many questions, and like I left the cinema with more questions for sure. But. <laughs> I'm not mad about it, and I think it's an experience that everyone should go through in some sort of character building, you know? See, I know you're, you're, you're half-joking, but I do actually agree with it. I think it's no, definitely I'm not. a mark of our times. No, I'm not joking at all. Yeah, I'm being entirely serious in saying that. I think it was just like, okay, everyone's talking about this. This is so weird and unnecessary, but it's a very interesting insight into the fact you can just get celebrities to do whatever you want if you pay them enough money because none of them knew what they were doing really um or why they were doing it and they knew it was bad they weren't thinking they'd done something big it wasn't trying to be avant-garde you know or maybe it was trying to be but it didn't achieve it so yeah none of it made any sense and i had to try and piece some of that together i think it's a pretty works quite well as a pretty damning indictment of the kind of um ensemble cast 
And I think, yeah, for sure. and I, th- I think, and obviously there are fantastic examples of ensemble cast that work really well with sort of, I mean, it's quite popular things to do in kind of like war films or if you think something like Ocean's mm. Eleven, even the old one or the new one, like that, that is their sort of basically guides on how to do the ensemble cast well. And <laughs> what Cats did was it just got someone's, it looked like it just got some kind of like roster of people who were trending that week on Twitter and just went, yeah, him, 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 doesn't matter, just stick them in a film together. And then you sort of expect something good to come out of that. And it's like, well, no, it's because like, admittedly, from what I from what I'm aware about the original musical, the musical is completely insane anyway. Before yeah. you've even started trying to make a film out of it, and then at that point, it, it just becomes like you would you think that you think that in some ways it is probably quite was probably quite a cynical marketing ploy because surely they must have realised pretty early on, even before they'd really started doing the animation stuff, that this is going to be god awful. And at that point, it's just like, oh well, <laughs> is it worth the, the money? And I think once you have kind of star power attached to it, you know people. I would actually be interested to see what the. I'm going to look up what the budget and what the um, actual sort of high. box office was. So I'm not Surely sure very high budget. I want to know. The person I want to hear from is the people who thought it was a good idea. Because if every single person thinks it's a bad idea, surely no amount of like collective in uh, cognitive dissonance can make people just make it. Someone has to have been there pushing it, saying, yeah, this is a good guy, this is going to go well. Or at least expecting it to make loads of money. But it didn't either. So I looked it up. Um, on a budget of 80 to 100 million, uh, it made a 73 million. And when you account for, um, when you sort of account for sort of marketing stuff, you usually have to double the budget. So the minimum budget was probably about 160 million, and it took Oof. 73 million. So it's about Amazing. half. Big L. See, Huge, fat L. Well, I think the musical is one of the longest-running shows on Broadway, and it is mm. extremely popular. So, I do kind of see why they'd want to make a film adaptation. And anyone who enjoys a musical that I've spoken to, because I, 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 I don't get a lot of musicals, and not this one, because especially it being Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> but... <laughs> people who do enjoy the musical say that it is as ridiculous and weird as the film because literally some of the cats their character trait is that they have a lot of sex like rum tum tugger he is the cat who shags (laughs) that is literally his character trait that's it and you can't really make something brilliant out of that right (laughs) yeah of course i mean the thing is it's Nothing more than an hour, or like I think it's two hours long. I think it's like an unnecessary length of time. It's like two hours long. Isn't two hours of film? One hundred and ten minutes. Okay, so near enough, yeah. So it's like two hours basically of cats just introducing themselves. It's like, hi, I'm this cat. Like you say, I'm Rum Tum Tugger, and I shag a lot. And I'm <laughs> going to do a dance, and it's sexy cat dance, and there's sexy cat ladies. It's all just, all just very odd. Cats introducing themselves. Rebel Wilson introduces herself, does a dance, eats cockroaches, which are children, like their child like children's faces dancing around. And then she unzips her cat fur and reveals her real fur but with clothes on over it. It just moves past it. It's like stop stop talking about it. Stop talking about that. Like it happened. Move on. We're going. Like you gotta keep up. It's very fast paced and ridiculous. That's probably clearly like the thing there is that it doesn't it probably doesn't I don't think it leans into the weirdness enough, I would imagine. I think mm, no. at, that, 
at that point, when you have such an idiotic concept, well, sort of, maybe not idiotic, but such a ridiculous concept, you sort of have to be self-aware enough to sort of steer oh. into it. Whereas if you're sort of marketing it as a sort of a high-budget musical adaptation that's really good, sort of like, oh, it's a great cinematic experience that this long-running musical has finally reached the screen, <laughs> it just comes across as like... Because if you, I imagine that if you did actually know what you were getting involved for, you might actually be all right with it. But for the sort of viewing public who sort of saw as who thought went into it not knowing that the musical was already weird, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? I guess it's like I suppose you could argue the same thing about like if you went to sort of I guess that's the thing. Is that if I if I went to watch Sex and the City the movie, but I thought that Sex and the City was a bit like The Sopranos, I'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like. I, think yeah. I guess if you, you have to be willing to buy into sort of the fact that you buy into the fact that Sex and the City is effectively just a sort of a relatively horny sort of capitalist utopian view of New York through four incredibly rich white women. Like if you buy into that, the film's fantastic. Yeah. If you go into it, yeah, thinking it's The Sopranos, you'll be bitterly disappointed. Yeah, and this might come bite me in the arse in the future, but a lot of the time, a film is only as good as the source material. Like, Felix mentioned, um, not The Road, um, the other Cormac McCarthy book, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. I watched a film and, sorry, I didn't watch the film, I was meaning to watch the film and I heard the book was very good. I read the book and I loved it. It was one of the most interesting styles of writing I've found in a long time. The story was as brutal as you'd expect it to be. And then I watched the film and the film was... It, it took everything that worked about the book and just made it even more brilliant. It was honestly like a fantastic adaptation. So you couldn't really do that with Cats because if the musical itself is already rough around the edges and relies on plot points such as the cat who shags a lot, you, you're not going to get anywhere. Can oh, I just, no, entirely. Can I just say that you made a, a, a massive mistake because you described it there as... Um... So how do you describe it again? A r- rough around the edges. If you described it as imperfect, it would be much better. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> next time, man, oh. next time. The next person you talk to about cats is going to be amazed. This room is so yeah. hot, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I, I think I'm actually going delirious. Are you going to get angry right. now? Are you going <laughs> to start shouting like you're saying? <laughs> what? what? Why does he answer that phone? Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Why? Why'd you make this? It's offensive. <laughs> what about dogs? <laughs> to, be, to be honest, yeah, I think, aware of a dog. I, I think actually, having said that, I think my sort of community-based rant is probably a result of sitting in this room being really warm. I think if we were actually in a, an air-conditioned room, I would actually be much more calm and le- level-headed and not make <laughs> jokes. But well, it works, you know. It works. Maybe this is just a new persona of yourself that you have to explore. <laughs> and it, yeah, for critiquing film, you know, you can just. You can just let loose, man. Let loose. We try and keep it professional, but as you can see, it, it, it's a struggle. Let, let's go back to the forum. <laughs> okay, you, tell me. We, yeah. you, there's some hot takes on here. I mean, you say you don't like Dark Knight Rises. You say they're like Happy Feet. Um, I'll excuse uh... Happy Feet. Dark Knight Rises, that could be a whole podcast on itself. So we'll just let people <laughs> know you don't like it and tease it for in case you come back in the future. Let's let, let's go to talk about films from your childhood. Let, let's be nostalgic. Let, let's tone it down. Can I first? Can I can I talk about Happy Feet, please? Uh, because I don't I don't want to brush past that. I got you know I that is piece. the link. <laughs> that is the link between films you hate and films from your childhood. So go on. Yeah. 
Okay, so it is a real big link. Uh, Happy Feet could definitely have taken the other one because it's a film when I was like, when it just came out, so I was however old, like four or five or something. My granddad, um, who lives up north in Cheshire, so I don't see you that often, took me. Uh, and we liked it. We had a great time at the cinema at Happy Feet. Um, and it's like, I never watched it since. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, it's a good film. It's from your childhood. People normally talk about it in the same breath as like Shark Tale and stuff like that as like a good animated film from your childhood. So I got really excited to watch it at uni one time with my girlfriend and my girlfriend's flatmate Theo. And we were just really excited. We were like, oh, happy feet, man. I love that film so much when I was a kid. And it was awful. It was really, really terrible and none of it made sense. And it was really unwatchable and frustrating. But something that I loved from my childhood and we all loved we all had the exact same experience we all going through it in the same way uh yeah it just was dragged entirely over the coals you know awful so yeah that's my rant about happy feet see the film maybe that because I... my room is also hot <laughs> see the film I conflate with happy feet is surfs up I keep getting them confused Ooh. in my mind yeah yeah like they, they, they came out in the same universe they could, because they came out a year apart from each other. Though Happy Feet is by Warner Brothers and Surf's Up is uh, by Sony Pictures Animation. And okay, okay. It, yeah, it's, it's just weird that how these films, the kind of ones that you watch as a kid and then they blend together through the lens of nostalgia. Because <laughs> it's penguins being weird. Yeah, I mean, it's penguins. You're like, whoa, those penguins are cool. It's simple as that. Simple. It doesn't need to be any more complicated, but... I'm looking it up. Surf's Up, I think, is good. But, again, I haven't seen that for years, so maybe I'll have the same disappointment. Next time I come on, I'll give you my review on Surf's Up. Well, I've just looked up um, the Happy Feet wiki, which is a real thing. (laughs) And and there's a penguin called Lovelace, who is voiced by Robin Williams. And he's one of those penguins that has kind of the the, the blonde slash yellow hair or feathers coming from the side of his head. And that's the protagonist of Surf's Up, which... I guess is why you easily get them mixed up because it, it, ah, okay. it could be the same character. They're built the same. They're, they're short and stocky and have the weird hair. Well, I mean, knowing how the internet is, there's probably some kind of uh, penguin cinematic universe theory somewhere. <laughs> like well, someone could piece, piece together the whole Pixar theory. So someone could probably do one for two films about penguins. Well, I just discovered the most cursed thing. Surf's Up, which came out in 2007, has a sequel, directed to DVD, in 2017, called no Surf's way. Up 2, Wave Mania, and it's in starring John Cena, The Undertaker, <gasps> Triple H, Paige, and Vince McMahon. What? Josh, I really want to swear now. I really want to swear right now. That's <laughs> I've never heard of that in my life. That's, that's I just what? looked it up. I just found it. So the oh sequel to God. Surf's Up is about that. wrestling. <laughs> that is... No way! How did they pitch that? <laughs> oh, WWE, man. Oh, here's, here's... That is the, the most ambitious crossover of all time. You know? Here's a good one for you. Um, so uh, the, 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 the uh, main character in the film is a surfing champion. Um, his name is probably the most surfing champion name ever. It's a uh, Cody Maverick. <laughs> Cody Maverick. Which does also sound like another that. type of name that I don't want to go into. But you can tell what industry you might think. You know, it's, it's got that kind of, <laughs> that kind of air to it. Oh uh, yeah, like See, the 
title is the same as the WWE uh, logo as well. <laughs> See, I'm looking at it and it's confusing because John Cena, The Undertaker, Triple H, Page, and Vince McMahon play themselves. Oh, so, wow. they, in this universe, the wrestlers are wrestling penguins. Oh, I'm just looking at it and Undertaker has a hat. Like, right, people listen to he is like to look Undertaker, up Surf's a penguin wrestler. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Right, people, amazing. look this up. People, okay, listen I to feel this podcast, like... look it up. <laughs> oh, the Undertaker has got some serious arms, man. He's got, like, some patterns on his arms. This is insane. I'm watching this film tonight. <laughs> I might watch You know what this. surprises me? This sounds like something that would be, like, a straight-to-video... It would be, like, a video game sequel. Someone would make, like, a Surf's Up 2 video game. Well, this I mean, it was direct-to-DVD. Okay, fair enough. Oh, I'm surprised I can't play as Penguin John Cena and whack someone up. What Sheila Booth was oh. in the original Surf's Up? I'm sure. Yeah, man, yeah, All Star Casts. Sheila Booth and Zoe Deschanel, mad. <laughs> I've, I've, I've also discovered that it was a um, Surf's Up Two is a co-production between Sony Pictures Animation and WWE, which explains why they're in it, and also they probably made a lot of money off it. I wonder well, if there were like ref- yeah, re- references to it in the wrestling in like the wrestling canon, where it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, John, is it canon? Been, John, you've been uh, where have you been? Well, I've been surfing with my favourite penguins. It's oh, shoehorn mania. Oh no, <laughs> wave mania. I love it. The more oh, I there mean... was a there's an original Surf's Up video game. I'm I sure... yeah, was it PS2 game? Yeah, it's on Wii, PS2. Uh, PS3, PSP, PC, Mac, Game Boy Advance, DS, and... Damn, everywhere. Xbox. Yeah, crazy, man. Well, I remember the video game I remember, and this is related to film, is the Ratatouille PlayStation 2 game. Did any of you play that? No, I did not. What did you have to do? I was never a Cooking Mama 2, honestly. (laughs) Cooking Mama 2 is fire, but no, it's different, because it's like an adventure game with some cooking bits in it. But I remember at one point, if I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's the same as the film, where he's in the house with the sleepy chef, the crazy chef, and then he has to row his way through the sewers. That happens in the film, right? Yes, yeah. Right, well that bit in the game was incredibly hard for a (laughs) eight-year-old Toby, but... It was hard, I, I swear. I haven't tried it since. But I remember at my mate's yeah, house, man, I couldn't get Yeah, man, you should go back to it and have that satisfaction. Uh, yeah, live stream it on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Twitch stream Ratatouille 2, trying to beat that level. I do, there is some kind of charm about those like movie tie-in games. Occasionally, they're just... It, when they work, they, they're really, really satisfying. Like Spider-Man 2, I think, also on PS2. Is, is another great example of a very rare movie tie-in game. It's fun. I remember playing, I remember playing Spider-Man 3 on the PS2. That's a good memory. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they finally got around to doing it like properly and big budget, but a Spider-Man game is just such a great concept. The, the Honestly, so it fun. is. Yeah, the new the new game, which, again, we are going down the video game route, but you know, we, we are some big gamers here. I mean... Behind the scenes of Mancunian, Felix and I did want to revive a gaming section, and we didn't have time. Yeah. Wanted but... to is, is the, the keyword. It would have been a great, a, a great idea. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the floor was there. We talk about games, you know, but that's what counts. That's what counts. And we'll yeah, the Spider Man game, which I unfortunately haven't tried yet because I don't have a PS4, but it does look brilliant. It does seem to be yeah, the combination of storytelling and action that you want in a game. Oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's one of those games where just the simple act of movement is really fun. Uh, like, Mario games are really good for that. It, they just make the game fun to exist in and walk around and control the character so it's just so addictive i feel very left out in this conversation i'm the opposite of a gamer i've oh man i occasionally play gta when i'm back at home because i have an xbox 360 (laughs) that left when i was like 14 other than that i've not played a video game since wow that's that's fair fair. well here you are talking about film you know so you're you're where you need to be (laughs) yeah but yeah, I I don't know if anyone has a way to tie tie that back up. Other films about penguins. Other other films about <laughs> penguins. I mean, referring back to the form, the closest I can get is Space Jam. There is no penguin Looney Tune, but it is, is not? crazy animations tied into a sport. I yeah. did just call WWE a sport, but Space Jam. Why is it so meaning to you? What's the story behind that? Bro, I love Space Jam. That's my favorite film. I love that. Um, so. When in like probably like 2005, I don't know, maybe early like a year, some time ago, when we got our first DVD player, the two films that it came with were Space Jam and this film called Cats and Dogs. Uh, interesting, we were talking about cats earlier as well. Um, so Space Jam was like the first DVD we had, so I just watched it loads over and over again. Uh, everyone has films like that when they're little, but yeah, I was just obsessed with Space Jam. It's just fun, you know, like. I like animation. It's it's pretty out there. It's pretty wacky. Um, yeah, it just just great characters. Uh, it's, is it Bill Murray or or Robin Williams who's in it? It's Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. Um, yeah, I always confuse those two in my head. Um, I'm gonna say it. Yeah, Space Jam. Good time. It's just real. I'm it's gonna real say it. I think Space Jam is more fun than Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Wow, Ooh, that's a big call. I've never actually seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I should have if I like Space Jam. But oh, well, it, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? From an enjoyment standpoint, it's brilliant. It's so much fun. Yeah, and does actually get kind of dark to the point where the ending is nightmare fuel, even if you're an adult. Like, okay, okay. And on a technical standpoint, for film nerds who want to take apart a film and try to understand how it all happened. It, it was nuts, because before CG, before they had reliable forms of making actors pretend they were talking to someone who wasn't there, they had to do all that. But the craziest thing is that the cartoon characters interact with the real world. Oh, wow. Which is absurd. Well, like, they pick stuff up. They'll pick stuff up. They'll throw stuff to the humans they'll at one point i'm pretty sure um the main character he's in his flat and there's a bunch of dirty dishes and roger rabbit squirts the water out the dirty dishes because he's sitting in the sink and of course the actor (laughs) gets hit with real water but the way they do it it's all in one frame so if you oh wow if you've seen it, go look at the behind the scenes. If you haven't, watch it and then look at the behind the scenes because it's still as fascinating as the film itself. 
Because yeah, it's like well, it was back in the time when they had to like hand animate everything, so it was done with like cell animation. So it's just the way they had to like, draw every single like it's basically you film it the first time and you sort of draw over the film with and you hand animate the actual characters themselves. I have seen this. I think we've probably seen the same corridor digital video about it. I assume Toby. Yep. Yes. Yeah, corridor it's, digital. It's, <laughs> it's, it is absolutely like watching it. It's, it's, They've made a lot of videos looking at the visual effects and a lot of films. I think that is probably up there with the most impressive one, especially the car. The car one is insane. They had like basically had like driving around in like basically like a souped up golf buggy, and then they had to paint over the top of it this like fantastic cartoon car. Oh, it's wow. nuts That's the cool. way they got that film going. It really is a marvel of filmmaking. Mm, no, that sounds so cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Another one for the list. Surf's up two, shoe frame, Roger Rabbit. It's going to be a fun evening. And there's, there's, there's so much more we could talk about, but I think we're out of time. I mean, that's that's about time to wrap oh, it up. Oh, damn. Time flies. Time flies. Well, actually, before we cut it out, there's one film here which I don't hear anyone mention except Josh, and I still need to watch it. Ruben Brandt Collector. Oh, excellent film. If you like any sort of animation, you like art, oh, it's just, it's one of those films that plays with, uh, plays with the art of animation so well. It's very, very well made. I can't recommend it enough. Yep, that's, that's what I thought as well. I saw it at um, the Manchester Animation Festival last year. Ooh, and it was, lovely. yeah, I've, I've never, I've never really seen anything quite like it. And I don't, I, I, re- I, I reviewed it for the Mancunian as well. And I really struggled to actually write the review because it's really hard to describe like, even if the even if like the story actually is really interesting, I think it goes through quite a lot of different levels, and it's it's quite it's kind of like a heist kind of thing, and I really enjoyed that aspect yeah. of it. But even if you hated, even if the plot was awful, it would still be worth watching just for the kind of feat of animation it really is, because it is truly one of the most impressive animations I've ever watched. Oh, of course, you could watch it with the sound off, and it would still be impressive. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's beautiful, just the way again the way. Um, environments uh, manipulated by the characters like there's a guy who's just flat he's just looks like a flounder so he can fit through gaps and that's good for an art thief so yeah it's, it's very very creative I can't recommend that enough and I think on that note we need to wrap up this episode unfortunately alright thank you guys we... very much for having me it's been nice to chat about some films it's been lovely to have you on man we've been looking forward to this so just before you go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything that's sort of how we sort of finish these social media? Anything you've been working on? Oh, like but I'm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great doing doing these things. Um, well, I'm gonna like start stuff soon. I do cooking videos on my Instagram. Uh, you should follow my Instagram underscore or fxhb underscore. No one score at the start. Yes. Um, I was gonna say yeah, that. I'm gonna you do... need to follow Felix on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. And hopefully, I'm gonna be making an actual YouTube videos about cooking soon i just need to sort the camera out you know but big things coming so so stay tuned stay tuned yo you youtuber in the making right here as well i'm in the works for my youtube channel for reviewing films so who knows we'll collab oh, review films great. about cooking review food Damn. from well, films like binging with babish <laughs> ah yes that's classic that's classic i love that and yeah i do i want to like interview people while i'm cooking like sunday kitchen but better so you just chat to someone, make a fill, make like a meal that's important to them, and talk about what we do. So yeah, you can come come to the kitchen, cook up some some food, talk about films. <laughs> Mate, there you I go. Would love that. Round two. Love it's that. fun actually. Yeah. Yeah. What's not to love? Yeah, Josh, you can come too. You know, you get involved. We'll do like a freeway cooking, <laughs> be able to cook up a real madness. Oh, yeah. Th- I, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Sandy, and on Instagram and Letterboxd at Josh W Sandy. 
You can find me everywhere and anywhere at Tobias Soar. And look out for YouTube, Tobias Soar. My channel's there, which I used to subscribe to things. I need to fix it up. Video going up soon. Yes, it's happening. Yeah, God, great Toby. Thank you very much yeah. for listening, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye people. Bye, guys.